This bonus episode of Owning It is an advertisement from BetterHelp. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the anxiety podcast. In my last season, I promised you another episode focused on therapy, and this is it. From sharing on my Instagram stories about my regular therapy sessions, as you may know, I recently went back to therapy and it has been such a gift to myself. I've gotten so many messages from people, first of all, thanking me for normalizing therapy as part of my well-being, but also asking me for more information. I'm pretty open about these things and I am passionate about owning our experiences, but I was kind of shocked by the amount of people struggling with shame around therapy, the fear of asking for professional help, and also a fair few misconceptions around therapy itself. For me, therapy these days is really like going to the gym for my mind, but there was a time when it was something I did to help get my head above water, when I was really struggling with panic attacks and living in my own anxiety-induced isolation. Therapy has been there for me when I've been in a bad place and also there for me when I'm in a good place, wanting to keep myself feeling well. I think it used to feel a bit mysterious, a bit out of reach for most of us and something you really have to put a lot of effort into, even just to get linked up with a therapist in the first place. Today, that's just not the case. Thanks to the likes of BetterHelp, an online therapy platform, therapy has become accessible, affordable and convenient. It's becoming part of our regular self-care maintenance and I for one am thrilled about it because we all have stuff, no matter what our circumstances, that we need to work through. And being able to do so with an unbiased, non-judgmental professional is one of the best acts of self-care there is. The time I have with my therapist is something I honestly really look forward to. I actually sometimes even get dressed up for the occasion. It's a chunk of time that's just for me and I always come away from it feeling lighter. This bonus episode of Owning It is brought to you in partnership with BetterHelp, which of course I want you to be aware of from the outset. They've served over 3 million people so far, so I figure if anyone knows what makes for good therapy, it's these guys. Here's the deal, they offer therapy online via video, phone or message chat, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. No commute, no waiting room, no pressure. Amazing. I really wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the world of therapy and ask the questions you might want answered. So unlike my previous episodes that looked at the various kinds of therapists out there, this episode is about the therapy session itself. How it works, what to expect, what questions to ask of your therapist, how to know if a therapist is a right fit for you, how online therapy differs from in-person therapy, and lots more. For this, I am joined by Hesu Joe a licensed therapist with years of experience working with individuals and families, who also works at BetterHelp on their clinical operations side of things. I hope you find this chat as helpful as I did, and I hope it gives you the confidence to seek out professional help if you think it would benefit you. Stay tuned to the end, where I share a 10% discount code off your first month with BetterHelp. Hesu Joe, thank you so much for joining me. It is so great to have you. Wow, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Now, I have promised my listeners that I would do another deep dive into therapy. And this time, the focus is really all around what to expect when you're in the therapy room, what kind of questions to ask your therapist, that kind of thing. I suppose to start, one thing I was really surprised to learn, uh, because I'm I'm so open about these things anyway, like I would share my Instagram stories. Oh, here I am with my coffee, going to therapy, like the same way someone would say I'm going for a sandwich. <laughs> um, <laughs> A lot of people were messaging me saying, you know, thank you so much for normalizing that you're going to therapy. Mm-hmm. And I, I was surprised to learn that there was still such a stigma around therapy. Why do you think that there is still a resistance there? Or or do you think there is at all? Um, I definitely think there is stigma attached to seeking mental health services. And this even varies within different kinds of communities. 
um, you know, therapy in itself and mental health service and the way that therapists conceptualize their cases and their clients largely comes from a very Western worldview. Um, so that's part of the stigma for some communities that come from cultures that are very different. Um, and when we're looking at the Western culture and we're, we're wondering, like, where is this resistance coming from? People are still commenting, like, thank you for normalizing this as though it's not normal. Yeah, some of that, I think, comes from, you know, we as a whole, as a human, I think many of us still have the idea or the notion that mental unwellness comes from weakness of will or like an absence of trying, or like maybe it's about being lazy or seen as somebody that's less than. And so because of that, I think a lot of people don't want to admit or talk about struggling with this stuff because they don't want to be seen as these things. They have passed judgment on people they have found to be unwell, and they maybe don't want to feel that judgment themselves or face criticism from other people. You've hit the nail on the head. I mean, that is exactly what's at the root of the stigma that we feel that we can just think our way out of an issue mm -hmm. um and that's just not the case I mean there I, I I there's no shame in it at all but I understand that we've just all have this built-in feeling like exactly what you described that we should be able to just like that if we're if we're strong we don't need help but I've found that for me the strongest moments in my life have been what might have been perceived outwardly as the weakest moments where I've said you know what I'm not okay I could really do with some guidance I need some help so how would you recommend that people counteract these barriers um that's a that's a big one yeah um, <laughs> you know I think it it often starts with just asking some questions to yourself which many people don't really slow down in their busy lives to do on a very regular basis but just mm -hmm. kind of evaluating how you're feeling and how you're functioning in your main areas of life and for a lot of adults that's work your romantic and social relationships your family relationships your friendships your ability to concentrate your sleep hygiene are any of these things being impacted do you just feel empty or um, feeling like you want to know more about yourself, have more insight into who you are and how you're relating to other people. Um, you know, all of these questions can lead to you thinking more deeply about um, where maybe you can find some improvement in your life. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're concerned about various barriers, um, you might want to just start asking yourself, is this something that I do want to explore further? Um, because if you want to, that's that's the initial thing to start getting you over the hump or feeling like, um, you know, wanting to make some kind of change. So other things is like just looking online to seeing what kinds of resources are available to you. Um, just just doing a quick search online will start helping you see that there's so many um, options out there for you. And and I think having that experience of knowing that there are options means you're not the only one thinking about this stuff. So if yeah. the barrier is feeling isolated in your experience, you can bring experiences to yourself to have more evidence that you're not alone. I mean, and I hope that having these kinds of conversations will reassure people that that is not the case. Um, for me, in my experience, I went to therapy before in my, in my life when, my, when I was in my mid-20s, when I was in a very almost desperate place where I really, really desperately needed help to get me out mm -hmm. of this hole. I was living my life from one panic attack to the next. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, every sign was pointing towards me needing help. I've recently gone back to therapy. And for me at this point, 
the reason the questions that I've been asking myself or the reasons that you're, you're discussing there of like maybe how to know if you might benefit from it is that I really wanted to have I wanted to carve out a space for myself where mm-hmm. I could talk through you know whatever was going on in my life from a position of I mean I'm feeling quite well these days but it, it was more like an act of self-care and it was more mm-hmm. a case of me wanting to have a space where I could have a conversation with someone who could see through you know my bullshit or anything like that mm-hmm. I wouldn't just you know be a people pleaser say what I want them to hear which our friends though they mean well mm-hmm. often do and I wanted to know that I had a space where there was no judgment because I think often we think that we and we we do turn to our friends and our family to have these conversations about things but what, what was happening to me is that I was getting so caught up in worrying about am I asking enough questions to my friend? Am I balancing this conversation enough to make sure that they feel heard and seen? Whereas when I turned to therapy, it was like this hour selfishly is just for me. Mm-hmm. Nothing I say here is, you know, silly or stupid, or, you know, it's all my experience. It's my truth. It's what I'm living. And that has been the ultimate gift to myself. So I think that there's people tend to think of therapy as something that you go to when you're in a very, very bad place, but for me now it's more maintenance based so Mm -hmm. in your experience do you find that people are less likely to turn to it as a maintenance thing when really that's where I probably think it has the most power oh that's a great question and thank you for being so open about your experience and journey um you know I'm, I'm I'm having like a visual of an analogy here you know, like folks that are, for example, very into physical fitness, going to the gym on a regular basis, they all started somewhere. It could be that they started at a point where they're not very strong. They don't have a lot of balance or endurance or stamina, but they keep at it. They keep training their body. They keep going to the gym. And once they've hit their goals, their fitness goals, these people generally don't just stop going to the gym. They keep going. They keep going to maintain, like you said, the maintenance of that strength, stamina, balance that they've been building up. So I can see it being very similar to something like that. Um, Therapy, like you said, is not just meant for people that are having panic attacks every day, although that is a very good reason to consider talking to somebody. Um, Therapy, like you said, is a great place to have somebody's undivided attention, someone that's not your friends and family, but that, yes, they do care about you and they love you. They're also very emotionally intertwined in your life. So like you said, there's this dynamic that emerges when you're talking about deep things with people in your life, like your personal friends and family. Because you're going to be thinking about taking care of their emotional needs in that moment too. But the therapists are professionally trained um, to not make it about them. Everybody tends to make stuff about them. That's just like the nature of how we communicate with people. But in therapy, that's actually not supposed to be happening. It's it's a place for you to have a sounding board to really explore yourself and this other person who, of course, is bringing elements of being another person and and. Um, having a healthy relationship with you, um, with, you know, opportunities to practice boundaries and, and, you know, direct communication. Mm -hmm. So the maintenance idea is such a good one, because even if things are going really well, uh, we can keep it going well by doing things like maintaining. And that's, that's when you really need to do it. It's on the days where you feel good is when the things that you do to keep yourself feeling well, have the most power. And when you do that more often, when you find yourself in a bad place, you can find, you know, you can turn to those resources more quickly and they can be more effective. Whereas if you just say like, for me, for so many years, I was like, I feel fine now. I don't want to know about it. 
Then mm-hmm. when I felt bad, I was like, I'm back to square one. So now I'm like, okay, my cup is full. Keep it that way, you know, keep right. checking in. And that has been really, really important for me. Um, and also just like really enjoyable. Like I honestly, every Tuesday when I have my therapy session, I look forward to it so much. And it's, you know, it's not, I think people might think of therapy as something that's going to be quite grueling or, you know, invasive or that you're going to be worn out afterwards. And I kind of like mentally skip into my session. I'm really glad to hear that. I mean, sometimes you will have sessions that you will feel worn down after. So it is really good to take care of yourself. And, um, you know, with therapy, the idea is to eventually get to a place where you're able to, like you said, cope with life's challenges. Yeah. Um, so you're not starting at square one if something does happen to shake you up. Um, so, you know, not every single session is going to be skip worthy, but it's exactly. all with the overarching goal of improving your life. Yeah. And I mean, there are times when I've gone in and I've been like, mentally thinking I have nothing to say here and then those are the ones that kind of creep up on you and you're like oh my god so much stuff came to the surface and then I find that I'm quite Mm -hmm. exhausted after but it's always in a way that I know like even if I'm still in the thick of something or I'm still feeling something because I've had a therapy session I feel that I've proactive I'm doing something about it I'm being proactive Mm -hmm. and that alone is helping you to own it so even though you mightn't be at your you know, end result yet, you're still feeling like, look, I'm, ta- I'm doing something, I'm taking action. And that is worth its weight in gold. One of the, the roadblocks from talking to friends and talking to different people about therapy through the podcast is finding the right fit for you. And mm-hmm. what I love about BetterHelp as a platform is that it's designed, the way it's designed means you can switch therapists easily until you find the right person and the right approach for you. But how do you know because like it's very hard in your first session I find to know if it's the right fit because the first session like (laughs) you have to start somewhere you can only go Mm -hmm. so far in your first session what what signs should we be looking for that indicate that we found a therapist that matches us great question um uh I, I was starting to think of an answer and I realized I don't want to be like American centric with my views. Like we have a term here, which I'm not, I think exists in other English speaking places about red flags. There's mm-hmm. red oh, flags, yes. yeah, we do knows, that. right? Like a, like a warning sign, yeah. uh, but there's also green flags. And it sounds like you're wondering about how we can detect what the green flags are maybe as well as some red flags. So green flags with a therapist is you feel safe with them. That's like a okay. huge thing. You know, safety is a one of the main components of mental wellness. If you don't feel safe, then you start doing things that look like vigilant behaviors, which feels like anxiety. Mm-hmm. So if you don't feel safe with your therapist, um, that's really something to tune into. But of course we can all feel nervous and unsure about someone if it's the first time that we're speaking with them. So I would encourage somebody to consider two or three sessions to figure out whether it feels like a good match for them. Um, it's important to ask them questions to ensure that it's a good fit all around. Yes, the therapist is assessing and screening to ensure it's a good match, but you are also assessing and screening whether it's this is the right person for you to hire to be your therapist. If you want to think of it that way, you're hiring them mm-hmm. um, to be a professional healthcare provider for you. So, you know, of course, you want to ask your logistics questions are our schedules going to line up in a way that I can have regular therapy sessions with you? Um, But, you know, you might also want to come prepared with um, high level bullet points of things you'd like to discuss or things you'd like to explore. 
any goals that you might have in mind and ask whether these things fit into that therapist's um, experience and uh, areas of expertise. Um, Because, you know, even therapists are um, prepared to let you know if they feel that your concerns are out of what we call scope. You know, there's a scope of practice and a scope of competence. And if somebody, for example, is looking for a specialist that is very experienced in working with folks managing obsessive compulsive disorder, Mm -hmm. and they go see a therapist local to them, and that therapist is listening to these concerns, the therapist may, um, you know, let the client know that it's not going to be the good fit if the therapist doesn't have a lot of expertise, training, background, education in that particular area. So it's good to just have a sense, a general sense, like, of course, you don't have to know everything or all the things that you want to accomplish, but you're thinking about finding a therapist because something's going on. So if you want to start thinking about how you're going to articulate what those things are, that will help you figure out whether it's a good match in terms of your knowledge matches my concerns, our schedules, those kinds of things. And of course, if you just, if you just don't feel safe, you know, like trust your gut. And, and I really encourage people to continue looking for somebody, even if the first one, even the second one, even the third one doesn't work out. This is ultimately a very intimate relationship that develops and you want to make sure that you feel good with this person. Like you said, um, BetterHelp does make it very easy to switch therapists, which is not the experience in all mental health service settings. And that's something that our company does aim to do. Right. Right. Often happens from from talking to friends who go to therapy or family members who've been you kind of get caught up in thinking I want my therapist to like me especially Mm -hmm. if like for example if people pleasing is an issue for you you want to give a version of yourself to to a therapist so it's really important to be able to feel safe enough to be vulnerable with your therapist that they can see how you really are feeling and that you're not going to be concerned about judgment I mean one of the first questions I asked my therapist or one of the first things I said to her was I'm afraid, like how I'm really feeling right now is I'm afraid that by saying all of this, you're going to think negatively of me. And I was so grateful that she was like, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what I think. And she just reassured me. And I just knew in in her willingness to be vulnerable back with me, because it is such like a two-way street, Mm -hmm. I knew I had found the right fit. And I was very lucky. Yeah, I'm very, very glad to hear that experience of yours. And it sounds like, you know, there was a vibe check there on both sides and, and like you said, you knew because you knew it felt right. And I think that's a really powerful piece of advice there. Is it important, you know, we, we, when, when someone goes and Googles therapy and the different kinds of therapists and the different kinds of therapies, and, you know, I, I talk a lot about CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which was really invaluable to me with anxiety. Mm -hmm. It can become a little bit overwhelming looking at the different modalities that exist around therapy. Does it matter what approach your therapist is going to take does it or does it matter more that you say look this is what I'm dealing with how do you think that you could help me with this or how should we approach this because I I I would hate to think that people would think they have to know you know and suddenly when they're already feeling overwhelmed suddenly become educated in all the different types of modalities that exist right right um well there's a lot of existing literature out there there's been um quite a lot of research done on this topic and um it's a very replicated outcome of these studies that the most important factor and the most you know, effective healing factor in therapy is not the modality being used, but the relationship that forms, which yeah. you might hear terms like therapeutic alliance or rapport. 
Um, these are the things that matter the most. So yes, there are very effective modalities such as CBT for treating anxiety, but I really like the approach that you're talking about, the latter one, where you come with your concerns and ask the therapist how they would approach these things, because then you can start figuring out if their approach matches what you're looking for. You know, CBT is very much about connecting your thoughts, your feelings, behaviors, learning how to address your feelings and respond to them with behaviors that are healthier for you. Um, there's other kinds of modalities that look very deeply into your childhood and your early relationships. If this doesn't resonate with you, then you want to keep moving and find somebody that is doing the kind of approach and practice that feels right for your lifestyle and what your goals are. I want to ask you about expectations. So for me, where I am right now, my expectation is I mean, I'm not thinking about an end goal, you know, where I'm going to say, oh, I'm fixed now. And my fear <laughs> is that people go into therapy thinking that they're going to come out after six sessions, be like, I'm, I'm a different person. I'm fixed. I've fixed, I've solved that problem. I want to ask you about, yeah, I guess, how do people approach going in knowing like, that? Do, should we have a sense of what our outcome should, should be? Because for me right now, it's really just like, like I said, maintenance. And it's about just checking in with myself, seeing where I'm at, exploring different issues that come up or wanting to talk mm-hmm. through different things. Should people be aware of expectations of, of how they should feel or how to know if or not it's working for you? There's some other research out there that does indicate, like depending on the severity and chronicity of your presenting concerns, In other words, like how bad it's gotten. Have you missed work? Have you lost a job over this? Have you, you know, resulted in losing really significant relationships? Have your finances suffered? So severity of your symptoms is something that's looked at as well as the duration of how long you've had them. So you can expect if you've been dealing with um, repressed childhood trauma for 40 years, you're probably going to be in therapy for longer than a month. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But of course, there's no way to say like, this is exactly how many months you'll be in treatment. Um, But I do want to say, you know, long term issues take quite a long time to unpack process. And and I've said said that in anxiety podcast before, where I've said, look, Mm -hmm. it's taken you this long to get to this point where you feel this anxious because that's the theme of this podcast. It's not going to go away overnight just because you say, oh, I Mm -hmm. get it now that it's anxiety. I'm going to talk to someone. You, it's going to take a while to unravel that stress response. There's a lot to explore. Yes. And, um, and another thing that people can maybe expect is sometimes you might actually start feeling worse in the initial time. And why? Because you're now bringing up to the surface all this stuff that you've kept as far away from your mind space um, that you can so that you can continue to function in your life as best as you think that you have. So um, if you start feeling worse, my, my encouragement is this is now you getting into the meat and potatoes of why you're here in therapy is to figure what this stuff is and learn how to cope with it, learn how to manage it, learn how to move forward and live with it. Um, So you're right. Therapy is not going to just like change you into this different person. If anything, it's going to help you figure out who you are as a person, because you may not know that. And I mean, like you may have a difficult time even identifying how you feel and how those feelings are affecting your behavior. It's also very difficult to articulate that stuff if, if that's not something that you've been doing on a regular basis. So therapy is such a great place to start really learning how to express that stuff because so much of our issues come from not expressing, you know, just like keeping everything inside mm-hmm. and not having a way to have an outlet for these things. So another expectations thing is like, 
you can check in with your therapist as often as you need to, as frequently as you need to about progress. You know, you're going to have a sense of where you are in your progress and progress is not linear or in one direction. Sometimes you take a step backwards before you can move forward. Your therapist can give some insight into how they're feeling about your progress too. So it's good to be on the same page about what your goals are so you can check in on these things frequently. And then in terms of like, how do I know that I'm done with therapy? That's Mm -hmm. also something that you want to talk about with your therapist together. Like you may have differing feelings about it and that's a good conversation to open up. Um, and, and related to that, I really want to encourage people if they are feeling like therapy and the pace that it's going is not right for them, maybe it's too slow or it's too hard or whatever it is, what a great place to practice bringing up your honest feedback to someone. This is also a very difficult thing for many people to do. It's hard to challenge someone that you might perceive as being an authority figure. This is like the place to start practicing how to speak up for yourself, how to learn about self-advocacy, because these are so important to your overall wellness as well. I could not agree more. And everything you're saying there just shows me how much you can use this. You can use your therapy session as an opportunity to like practice out things and step up and see it really as, you know, you meeting your therapist in the middle and, um, experimenting almost on things that you can Mm -hmm. apply then to your real life situation what would you suggest to people to help supplement the therapy session so so that they can get the most out of uh, their their session in between meetings um great question so therapy um most of the time is going to be like one session per week and that that duration of the session will vary based on your schedule and what your therapist thinks is appropriate but often i'm seeing sessions are ranging anywhere from like 30 minutes to 60 minutes um at better help you'll expect maybe 30 to 45 minutes mm-hmm. all this to say 45 minutes a week is not going to change your life what's really going to change your life and really going to change you is your life it's it, it's about you incorporating all the things that you learned and talked about in therapy in your real life outside of the session mm-hmm. so outside of the session um you know consider these things that you've practiced and talked about maybe there's homework that your therapist may assign and i'm not talking about like essays or Um, Sometimes there might be books that they are recommended, but homework can really mean, you know, between now and the next time I see you, let's figure out something you'd like to accomplish. So an example I'm thinking of is somebody that has social anxiety disorder and they're trying to overcome this so that they can have better relationships. It could look like a goal this week of initiating a conversation with a stranger somewhere. And if that's too big of a goal, then calibrating to see what makes more sense, waving at someone, you know, all these things. Yeah. So I actually give you an example of something that, that worked mm-hmm. for me. So I've been so grateful to my therapist for at the end of each session, I kind of say like, can you give me something for the week? Mm-hmm. I want to report back next week. And one time we had an in-depth discussion, something I've been exploring is, is kind of what I think is a toxic relationship I've gotten myself into, not, not in a romantic relationship, but a friendship Mm -hmm. and um I kept going to this person looking for reassurance when I was feeling vulnerable about whatever was going on in my life and she said I just want you to peel peel that back or pair that back and when you feel like oh I'm feeling vulnerable I want some reassurance just don't text or whatsapp this particular person and you know try and direct that to someone where you feel safe or where you know you're going to get the comfort that you need or you're going to be validated because every time I was doing it I was feeling like more judged for having had those Mm -hmm. thoughts and feelings and it was so great to be able to come back and say do you know what I've actually stopped that behavior because you told me to and it's been something manageable and something doable and I already feel the benefit for it 
How wonderful. I'm, so, I'm really glad to hear that because the other thing I'm hearing is like, I think some people can listen to this and think, oh, okay, I'm going to go to a therapist and they're going to tell me what to do and everything in my life will get better. And that's not quite no. it. My sense is that your therapist recognized a behavior that even you didn't really benefit from doing on a repeated basis. Yeah. So the therapist is kind of making it explicit, this thing that maybe you can try that I think you've been wanting to try anyway. So you can think of it as a space to like get permission to just live your life. Yeah, it was honestly so simple, but so effective. How should people weave therapy into their busy lives? Like, is it okay to set aside an hour on a workday in between meetings? Or should, do you think in your experience, it's more effective for it to sit separately from work and social lives? Because like you say, you know, sometimes you go into therapy and you come away feeling a little bit wiped, a bit exhausted. Mm -hmm. And to go back into like the rest of your workday might be a bit much is there like an optimum time or day where therapy should be considered? Oh, what a great question. But unfortunately I don't have a definitive answer for you. <laughs> um, like so many things when it involves people is that it depends. It really yeah. depends on what makes sense for you. So with my own clients, you know, we work out our schedules for what makes sense for them. If you yourself believe that you're going to have a really hard time getting back into the workday, if you chose to have a session in the middle of the workday, it might be time for you to consider, maybe I shouldn't be scheduling it at work if it's okay. difficult for you to shift gears and come back to the work mindset. Um, but if that is something that's manageable for you and that's what makes sense in your schedule, go for it. You know, whatever is going to work between you and your therapist, what makes sense for you, what um, allows you to continue feeling safe throughout the day. So, you know, some therapist client duos will kind of establish, I'm going to see you every Tuesday at five. And that works for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people these days are very busy professionals where they're, uh, you know, weeks in their lives don't always look the same. So if your therapist is amenable to this, which many are at the end of each session, then you schedule the next one while you're both mm -hmm. looking at your calendars. Um, so I, I would say that there's like an optimal day and time that fits for all people, but you may find that you have an optimal day and time, which can take some trial and error to figure out what makes sense for you. Um, and I would really encourage folks to, um, you know, not just take the first session that your therapist is offering. Cause a lot of therapists will do this for scheduling um, yeah. ease and quickness. Like, oh, I have next Thursday at three available. And a lot of people are inclined to say like, yes, I'll take it because of this thing that you were referenced earlier of, I want my therapist to like me. I mm -hmm. want to perform so that I, I don't want to challenge them or do something that's going to make them not like me. But really if Thursday at three does not work for you, don't take it and, and consider letting them know like that's not going to work. Um, is there anything else available and continue finding the day and the time that really makes sense for you. And that's also available with your therapist. What I love about better help is that it has, it has transformed the space where it's not just in within office hours, like nine to five, where you have to suddenly, you know, ask for time off and physically be somewhere. It's, it's, especially when it comes to anxiety, like for me, when I was in the thick of anxiety to be able to do a session online at home in my pajamas maybe in my bed when I wasn't feeling capable of even getting dressed or leaving the house mm -hmm. that was it was everything and it was so important how do you think that better help has changed the therapy space in general 
well, everything you just said, um, there's there's this phrase that is tossed around a lot in therapy school with therapists in the field about meeting your client where they are instead of trying to force your client to where you are. You know all kinds of stuff as a therapist about mental health and how to cope with it, but your clients may be starting at a point that's very far from that. And so instead of trying to get them up to your level at your pace, it's really about the pace of the client and what makes sense for them, truly meeting them where they are. Now, having a client come into a clinic or an office or a hospital for a session, that in itself can be very, very um, scary for a lot of people. And it's not quite meeting them where they are. It's in fact, having them meet you where you are. So BetterHelp and other platforms just like this, online services, have made it possible to really meet them where they are in the comfort and safety privacy of their home or wherever else they have a good internet connection. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that's the beauty of this. You know, there are clients that have a difficult time just leaving the house and an incremental step before being able to do that might be talking to someone when you're still in your home. Um, and, and not only that, you know, like there's a huge investment of time for a lot of people, especially in busy places where there's a lot of traffic. If you're needing to account for the traffic, getting to your therapist and then going home plus parking, if that's a whole thing. Um, and so the ease and convenience of these platforms make it so that you don't have to schedule in the commute time, the parking, all the logistics, um, you know, it's, it can be done straight from your mobile phone, from your computer. And that means that you can do this and then get back to your life right when it's over, if that makes sense for you. Yeah. And I feel like after COVID, we've all had this crash course on how to function online and, Mm -hmm. you know, with online platforms that I think maybe beforehand, there might've been a fear that there's something lost when you're not in, in person what what should people expect like how does it differ the experience of therapy online versus in person yes so you know it's not the same thing and i don't think online therapy will or should replace in person there's different benefits to both mm-hmm. um but some of the different things to consider is you know in an in person session um you're sitting there face to face um you know on both sides there's this commitment to be somewhere physically Um, With the online option, it is a bit more flexible. And also, let it be said, I have spent a fortune on coffees because I've had in-person sessions where you feel like you need an actual, you know, barrier between you and the therapist to protect you. So if you're online, you don't need that. Right, right. And and with the online option, um, there's so many different ways to communicate, right? It's There's video sessions available to you if that's something that is desirable for you, being able to see your therapist, have your therapist see you. If you process better without that visual stimulation, you can also do an audio call. So that's something that can be connected through your computer. You could just use your earbuds with your computer, or we can have it um, route to a phone call to your actual phone. There's also messaging available and live chat sessions. So if you prefer to instant message, that might be an option for you. Um, It could be that you start out messaging with the goal of getting to a place where you can do video, because maybe this is something that you want to work on. Yeah. Um, so there's so many different ways to connect. So that makes it different. And I have found, you know, as a therapist working now in the online space, some of my newer clients are ready to jump right in. And I, I often think it's because they're more regulated. They're not as nervous because they haven't needed to travel to this unfamiliar place. If anything, they're, they have a bit more power in the dynamic because they're not in a space where they feel like, they don't have any control of where they are. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's so true, especially when people are feeling particularly fragile and vulnerable. Like you said, to meet them where they're at is so important. And then you can build towards, you know, visually being face to face. But like even for this podcast, we obviously we did it for the connection to make sure it's good but we've turned off our video and you know you can just really focus on what you're thinking what you're saying and if I was feeling like I was in a therapy session right now it would be great to be able to lie down and relax Mm -hmm. and think through what I'm saying where where it's you kind of mitigate all of the other concerns you might have if you're if you were face to face I know you said it's not to say that we should forget about face to face but there are a lot of benefits to doing it online and another one for me is the accessibility and the price because therapy can be so expensive but with better help the way it works and I'd love you to expand a little bit more on that it makes it a lot more doable right right um you know when you consider a, a therapist in an office or any kind of place um there's overhead fees for the therapists like rent um is a big one and maybe they need to pay utilities there's just like some other costs involved with that, um, as well as like marketing. If the therapist is in private practice, they need some kind of source of new clients. So with BetterHelp, um, the way we've been able to lower some costs for a lot of the users is getting rid of a lot of those overhead fees for the therapists on the platform. Um, so it's cost effective. And um, you know now more and more insurance providers are covering these services. Of course, I I just realized I'm saying something very American and I don't know if that's applicable um, that's okay. across the pond. Um, but you know, if, if your insurance does c- cover these things, you can submit claims for reimbursement um, if it's covered. And um, you know, we don't want cost to be a barrier for so many decades cost was, and finances has been a barrier to care for so many people, people not wanting to spend this much on something that they don't even know if it's going to be effective for them or not. So with better help, um, if you find that the cost is prohibitive to you, we also offer financial assistance. So you just need to reach out to us and our team will work with you individually to see how we can make sure you can continue, um, with your services. So that's something to consider. Um, and So if someone is listening now and I hope they feel encouraged, they have the confidence to say, do you know what, I would actually maybe benefit from having professional advice one to one and they go on, they log on to betterhelp.com. What can they expect? How does it work? Where did they start? And I think it's really interesting. This is like a monthly payment situation. Could you just give me a little overview of what to expect if you're brand new to the platform? Yes. So if you just go to the website or find the app on the app store, Google play store, um, you can poke around, especially on the, uh, website version, there's an FAQ section. So you can look for frequently asked questions as well as answers. Um, there's information about there about cost and payment and the way that payment works. You mentioned subscription. So you choose a subscription package. And for those that are unfamiliar with subscriptions, um, it means that you're paying for a certain amount of time up front and it does renew automatically. And these are things that you can also adjust in your settings. Um, but during that time, so, you know, pretty standard subscription is a monthly package, which renews every four weeks. Um, but in that four weeks, you can message your therapist as much as you want. You can expect a weekly live session. If you'd like to do more, that's something you want to talk to your therapist about. Um, but the, the cost does not change, you know, for your weekly live session and as much messaging as you want to do. There's also a journal feature that's available for folks that like to journal, Um, And there's some other interactive pieces that are available to members when they're not able to meet with their therapists right away, or they're waiting between sessions. You can join in on a group call 
Um, that's something that's also available. So if you have um, any pressing questions about how it all works, like I said, you could go to betterhelp.com and find the FAQ. You can also always email our team, contact at betterhelp.com with any specific questions about how stuff works, what you can expect. Um, and our team is also very much available um, if you find that it's not the right service for you and you want to cancel. We make cancellation fairly straightforward also. Um, because we very much want to make sure that people are finding the resources that are appropriate for them. So if you find after trying it out, that better helps not for you, we're going to help you figure out what's next, you know? So that's um, it's, honestly, it's so nice to hear that your, your bottom line is people's well-being, And that comes through from what you're saying. Hesu Joe, like, I can't thank you enough for sharing with me your expertise. I feel like we have hopefully demystified a lot of the, you know, uh, therapy is often kind of shrouded a mystery. Um, we feel like we don't really know what it's about until we go and do it. And I don't want that to be a barrier for people to go and explore. Um, parting words. So parting advice that you could give to someone who's listening saying, I feel like therapy could for me, but I need that last little push. What would you say what questions could someone ask themselves to know if maybe it's worth logging on to betterhelp.com? Sure. I mean, I guess my words of encouragement there might be cliche for some folks, but you can certainly try not doing it. You can try doing nothing and then everything in your life stays the same. And if mm -hmm. you're even considering, if you're sitting on the fence already about it, chances are things in your life are not so great. There's something about either the way that you're feeling or the way that you're connecting or not connecting with other people that you want to bring improvement to. So if you're in that space, um, it sounds like you may have two options. There's probably more options. And one option, like I said, is to do nothing and to stay stagnant and to leave things as they are. And if you're okay with that, that's, that's totally your right. But if there's anything inside of you that's curious about whether things can improve, things can be different, I can be better. Um, that's, I think that's the nudge. You really just get the nudge from yourself. And so my encouragement is to listen to your gut, listen to what you want in your life. And if you want something better, I think it's worth it to explore what's out there. And you don't have to be like me. You don't have to broadcast it to 5 million people. You don't have to <laughs> share it. This can be completely confidential between you and your therapist. Nobody has to know. You can keep it under your hat and go at a pace that you are comfortable with. Hesu, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time, your expertise. You have given me such a wonderful overview. And I know that this is going to be really exceptionally helpful to my listeners. So I cannot thank you enough. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to my incredible guest, Hesu Joe. I really hope you found that inspiring, encouraging. I hope that you have the confidence now and the information necessary to go forth and get yourself the professional help that you might feel you need. I want to encourage you to go and check out BetterHelp and as promised, there is 10% off your first month for being a valued listener of Owning It. All you have to do is go to betterhelp.com, that's H-E-L-P, forward slash Caroline to get set up. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to licensed professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. They make therapy accessible, affordable and convenient so anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime and anywhere and you absolutely deserve it. Once more, that's betterhelp.com forward slash Caroline. Thank you so much.
This bonus episode is an advertisement from BetterHelp Online Therapy. Hesu Joe's input is general psychological information based on research and clinical experience. It's intended to be general and informational in nature. It does not represent or indicate an established clinical or professional relationship with those inquiring for guidance. Also, just because you might hear something on the show that sounds similar to what you're experiencing, beware of self-diagnosis. You'll want to find a qualified professional to assess and explore diagnoses, if that's important to you. If you or your partner are in crisis and uncertain of whether you can maintain safety, reach out for support. Crisis Hotline's local authorities. Have a safety plan, and that can be done with a therapist too. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.